What is up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Process Podcast. I'm Charlie Lukowski. That's my co-host, best friend, Nick Veronica. And we got a special episode with for you guys today. Nick, tell everyone why it's so special. That's right. We know everybody's all in on the bills right now. But don't forget, Saber season starts Thursday. We got the best Sabres follow on Twitter. Joe Yearden is with us. You know him from Twitter. He's been His writing has been everywhere. He just wrote the Sabres preview for McKean's yearbook. Joe, thank you for joining us. Guys, it's a real pleasure to be on with you. It's uh, I, I, it, you guys are one of like the newer podcasts, so it's exciting to see you guys go. Thank you, we appreciate that. All right, Joe, we're just gonna throw it right at you. Are the Sabers ready to end the NHL's longest playoff drought? They could be. Um, what's working against them is that they're probably in the worst division possible, um, as far as competition goes. Because yeah. Um, they, they, you know, they had to re, redo the divisions with. Uh, they had to put all the Canadian teams into one group because the Canadian government won't allow them to come to America for COVID reasons, and I don't blame them one bit. Um, but the but the Sabres' new division is evil, um, uh, and I'm going to do this off of memory. It's Boston, uh, the Rangers, the Islanders, the Devils, um, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and Washington. And very good. Yeah, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of good teams. I mean, the Islanders went deep in the playoffs last year. And it, in a in a way you feel good because like, well, boy, they don't have to deal with Tampa Bay anymore, which you know, was murder for them the last few years, but they traded Tampa Bay and instead they get Pittsburgh and Philadelphia and Washington who are, who are you know, Pittsburgh's won, you know, a bunch of cups recently. Washington's won a cup and they still have Ovechkin. You know, Pittsburgh still has Malkin and Crosby, and then you have Philadelphia, who suddenly looked amazing last year with Carter Hart and Sean Couturier and Claude Giroux and those guys. And you know, it, it's you, you know, you, you trade out the bad teams like Ottawa and Detroit, and you get the Devils and you get the Rangers in there. But um, I, it, it's they, they could. I think the peak for them is they could finish fourth and make the playoffs, but I think the, the, the Valley for them is seventh because I don't see New Jersey being better than anybody in that group, but man, it's going to be really hard. All right. So we, we agree with that. We, we've mentioned, uh, I think when the schedule first came out, we kind of said, Holy cow, this division is going to be tough. And I wanted to ask you, do you recall the video the Sabres put out after they signed Taylor Hall? They had uh, the, the kind of the, like the behind the scenes stuff and they had Pagula on it and they had, okay. So Pagula seemed to imply that getting Taylor Hall was like a put them over the top move. Like we're going to be a Stanley cup contender signing Taylor Hall to a one-year deal. Does, does the schedule, does that hurt the, the how the team is looking at Taylor Hall? What, how does that play into it? Cause Terry kind of put the bullseye on himself with that comment. Uh, he did, but you know that's what the owner can can do, and that's what the owner's <laughs> supposed to do, really. And they, they were in a spot that, like, if they if they just sat on their hands and didn't really sign anybody, uh, you know, anybody worth you know of note, um, that was gonna not sit well with the fan base because of how poorly they did last year. They basically brought back everybody the same, and you know, if you just make a couple, you know, a couple of depth signings or whatever, you say, all right, we're gonna go and get it. People are just gonna be like, whatever, dude. It's, you know, it's the same, you know, team that didn't make a 24 team playoff, you know, like, what are you going to, you know, what's our reason to get excited? Signing Taylor Hall gives you excitement because he is good and he can score. And he's one of the best, you know, one of the top what, 10, 15 players in the league with Jack, you know, to have, to be able to go into a season and say, you have two top 20 
forwards, top two, top two, top 15 forwards, even is pretty impressive. And like, that's, that's what most of the contending teams have. They have guys that you can say they've got this guy and this guy, they can run out there and they can score on you every night. The Sabres have that, which is, which is a good thing, but you know, you, you change around the division makeup. And I think honestly, if, if the division was still the same, was the way it was, if everything was normal, uh, they stand a better chance because you know, I know Florida made a lot of moves. You know, they still have Bobrovsky making a gazillion dollars, not playing well. And, you know, they're, they're you know, they, they got deeper, but like how much better are they? You know, Montreal, they, you know, they're a fancy stat darling. They love, you know, they do all those things, right. They've got a ton of talent, you know, can carry price, stay healthy for a whole year. Can they do, can they do all those things? Tampa is still going to be great. Boston, you know, no Chara, um, really thin defensive depth. They lose Krug and Chara in the same year. It's like, it's not great. Um, but they're still Boston and they always seem to find ways to, to plug in new guys and just keep marching right down the ice. So, um, you know, the old circumstances, they probably compete a little bit better and probably stand a better chance, at least in a wild card spot, because then the other divisions is beating each other's heads in and, you know, maybe they knock each other down, but, but in this setup where if you're not finishing top four in your own group, then you're just, you're just out. Um, it's a lot harder because you can look at Washington, you can look at Philadelphia, you can look at Pittsburgh and pretty much say, yeah, those th- those teams are probably playoff teams. Boston too. Like, you know, I think if you're going to put circles around teams that maybe not, you know, might not be playoff teams, maybe Pittsburgh, you know, if Crosby hmm. doesn't stay healthy, Malkin doesn't stay healthy. I mean, you know, they have very questionable defense, you know, the scoring depth outside of those outside of those two, like top 10 players in the league is very thin. Um, and, you know, it's not great. You know, Boston's defense, we'll see. You know, they spent the entire uh, part of the, after the playoff throwing Tuka Rask under the bus for, for, <laughs> for leaving the bubble to help out his kids. Yeah, um, that was tough. Yeah, it's always a tough crowd. I remember Joe Thornton getting basically run out of town for trying to get his way through a seven-game series with broken ribs. So, um, and you know, don't lose the Montreal in the playoffs is basically how that how that worked out to be. But, um but yeah, but I, you know, the division has, every team's got questions. It's just a matter of which team has fewer questions. And I think, you know, Buffalo's questions are the same questions that they've had, you know, in recent years. Um, but, you know, are, are those, you know, are there answers for those easier to make than other teams? I don't know, man. It's, it's harder to see it being more successful this time around. All right. So one of those big questions for Buffalo, and it's been the same, like you said, Joe, for, for the last few seasons is goaltending. Um, they really don't have a solid number one goaltender. Linus Omar kind of showed flashes of that through a few seasons here. Um, and, and, and Hutton just doesn't seem to be the answer whatsoever. Um, what, where, what are your thoughts currently on goaltending? Obviously with guys like Uka Pekalukunen in the system who Nick, Nick just loves that name, by That's the way. That's a great hockey name. <laughs> he, I, I think he, out of all the Sabres goaltenders in the system, he has the most potential to possibly be that number one goalie, but he's still maybe two to three years away, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, if things were normal, he would have been the number one guy in Rochester this year, um, without a doubt, because um, they, they want to get him playing here, get him playing all those games, I think. That, that's the biggest downside of, of, well, it's not the biggest downside of COVID. Let's, let's be honest. <laughs> but as far as the team goes and their, you know, the Sabres development and whatnot, they, you know, losing a year with him playing here and getting better acclimated and, and 
just playing games period at the next level up losing all that just stinks for him. And, um, that, that, I mean, that hurts, that hurts them a lot just because, you know, the, the plan they, they started him out with was, was, was looking pretty good because mm-hmm. his, his games in the ECHL last year, he looked like he was, he was ready to move up the games he played in the AHL last year. He did not look ready and it was, it looked a little bit overwhelming, but he was going to have a, this full off season, you know, without getting both of his hips operated on and having a full season to get stronger, to, you know, to get, you know, a better shape, learn more things, do, you know, doing all those things that young players do in the off season to prepare for the next level. Um, and for goalies, you know, I remember writing for the athletic there for goalies, that development can just change overnight season to season. And I think for him, it would have been a huge year for him in the AHL and really get a chance to kind of push things as far as the NHL goes, given that, you know, you kind of know what you have with Allmark you really do know what you have with Hutton and, you know, obviously the eye, the vision issues that uh, Lance Lasowski wrote about. Uh, that's, I mean, that's something that nobody knew about until Lance wrote about it. So like, that's, that's just basically like a, you know, it's a, a mulligan for him after last year, but, um, but yeah, I mean, as far as UPL goes, it stinks. I mean, it just stinks, but, um, but you know, he's still going to be there. So not a lot to worry about. It's just let him play in Finland, let him play as many games as he can play and and go from there. And, just understand that it's going to be, it's going to be an adjustment period again for him next year, uh, whether he's pushing for a backup job in the NHL or if they just stay with the course, stay the course, stick to the process and let him play a full year in the AHL. I like the pun there. Big fan of the pun there. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I like the course that I put him on. I know, you know, him in the ECHL last year, he did have some, some big games and played real well. Um, I was excited to see him in the AHL. Yeah, I, I was excited to see him in the AHL last year, and, and unfortunately, like you said, kind of laid a bit of an egg there. Um, there's another goalie down in Rochester, Jonas Johansson. Any chance that he maybe gets a shot up in the NHL this year? Obviously, like I said, with with, with Carter Hutton not being much, I, I personally don't know how he's still on this roster, but could, could he possibly be a guy that comes in and takes that backup job? Um, It's possible uh what we saw of him at the nhl level last year i wasn't wasn't too excited about especially given how well he played in rochester i thought you know the the change from one year to the next for him going from echl to ahl and even compared to his ahl stats from the year before was startling Uh, Uh that to me was the most impressive thing about last year was how much he was able to jump up in how he played from one level to the next um it's gonna take a lot i think for him you know, it's going to take either Hutton or Allmark to get hurt or one of those guys playing just absolutely terrible uh, for him to get a lot of games. He, he's probably going to be their taxi squad guy, I would assume. Um, I don't know that – I don't know how much they want to just throw on Dustin Tokarski um, to do that. I think they just want to kind of have him in Rochester um, right off the hop. I mean, they'll. I think they'll let those guys both kind of play there. But I think, you know, in, in a pinch and if they need a quick start, I, th- I, I would imagine JJ is the guy that's going to get that call. But – um, I would, uh, the only way you're going to find out if he's, if he's worth his salt at the NHL level is to give him more games. But based on what I saw last year, not feeling it, but you know, he, he's a guy who's his whole career has been just about proving himself at the next level up and just always trying to say like, no, I can be better than this. I can do better than this. And you know, uh-huh. when, he, when he came out of Sweden and he, you know, he played in the ECHL, he played decently. Okay. There. Um, that's a tough league to really kind of figure out what you've got going on. You don't really f- figure that out till you get to the AHL. And 
you know, his first AHL season wasn't exciting, but then last year he was unbelievable. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's a big gamble. And I think the only way you see JJ get those games is if, you know, if the schedule is really tight and they got to give these guys a break, or if somebody goes down uh, long-term, um, I think that's the only way you're going to see that happen. And even then, I mean, it, it, it'll honestly depend on how they feel about Tukarski. I, I can't imagine sacrificing starts that you could get to figure out what you have on your own. And especially with an expansion draft coming where, you know, you, I mean, mm, both those guys are going to be exposed at some point are going to be exposed because, you know, you got to, you got to protect one and you have to assume it's going to be all marked. It's going to get protected. So absolutely. Um, but I, but if there's a guy that you want to kind of keep, you know, if you want to swat Seattle's hands away from, you know, then maybe you figure out if JJ's that guy, if he's not, then you just say, all right, well, if you grab him, you grab him. If you don't, you know, you know, if you don't find, we have them. If you do, well, UPL get ready, <laughs> you know, right. Like that's, that's kind of the spot that they're in with that. But um, I don't know. I, it's very tough to say and goalies are voodoo, but I don't, I don't, I don't really like the chances of, of seeing Johansson more. And I don't like the Sabres chances if they have to see Johansson more. And, and, and there's no one behind, like I just like saying his name, so I'm going to say it a million times tonight. But there, there's no one really in the system really behind him. Like right now, the the, the Sabers goaltending ends at him. Well, at the pro level, no, um, certainly not at the at the professional level. Um, but in the pipeline, you've got Eric Portillo in Michigan. Um, That's right. Who they I think they like a lot. Um, Seamus Kotick's gotten a lot of work with him. Um, he's the he's the organizational goalie coach and. Uh, Kodak's done some pretty great work with these guys all along. And he's, he's extremely hands-on with these guys. It, he did a ton of work, even, you know, whether it was in person or a distance with Lucanen and he's doing the same for Portillo. Um, they, they like Portillo quite a bit. Uh, I think the question is just going to be, you know, how, you know, how, how much do you want to have him played out at Michigan? I mean, obviously this year is a little different. He's kind of learning the ropes there. I think uh-huh. next year he's the number one with a bullet. Um, I'm trying. I think they're. I think they're starting goalies a senior, but, um, but I think next year, if he's not, you know, if he's not your number one next year, he's certainly challenging for it with an upperclassman. But, um, but I think you let him play at Michigan as long as possible, just so you can kind of figure out where Lukanen's at and see see what's going on there. And then, hey, if Portillo comes out of Michigan after three years, because uh, I think that's the target date, because you don't want him to play senior year and then maybe have him go sign somewhere else afterwards. You want to avoid uh, another Cal Peterson situation, yeah, absolutely as as possible. Um, but I think uh, when it co- when it comes to that point down the road, I think you'll know what you have at Lucan, and because you're talking two years away, two 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 more years away for Portillo. Um, but they like him a lot, and I think that's that that's saying a lot. I mean, obviously, two years there might be another new GM. Who knows? I mean, who knows? Might be there might be two more new head coaches by that point. Who knows? But, um, <laughs> absolutely. But like uh, they they like both of those guys. They like they like where they're where they started off at. I, you know, Portillo. I, I feel bad for him that um, he he didn't get more of a chance to play uh, for Sweden last not this not this most recent World Junior tournament, but two years ago. I feel bad that he didn't get more of a chance to play. But you know, sometimes teams are loaded. But um, but it would be it would be it would be really nice if the Sabres goalie future turns out that Lukanen is the guy and he's your number one. And that if Portillo comes in and starts pushing for the job, well, geez, that's a nice, it's a nice conveyor belt to keep going is to just keep bringing guys through the system because it keeps the cost down. 
obviously, but, um, but if you can just keep growing goalies on your own, you know, if you're happy with who you got, you keep them and then you trade those prospects and get other goodies in return. And, you know, absolutely. You know, it's, it's kind of a situation that the caps were in for a little while. Um, when you think back to when they had uh, Semyon Varlamov uh, years ago and he got pushed out by Michael Neuver and then Neuver got pushed out by, I think, I, I think it was Braden Holpe. At Holpe. That so, uh-huh. you know, if you can get on a run like that, where you're just like, boom, you have three NHL goalies coming through the pipeline really quick like that. It's kind of nice. So that that's still a year or two away, at least, especially given the way that the COVID rules are this year with the with the minor leagues. Why was NHL caliber goaltending not a bigger priority this offseason, at least for a short deal? I think it's because, you know, and there's a lot of goalies to pick from in free agency. Let's let's not mm-hmm. hide the fact. I think they like Olmark. Um and I think they see a lot in him that is that is able to work. And, you know, I broke down his numbers for, for a story once where it showed that the part of the, the part of his game that he got killed the most on was was stopping pucks on the penalty kill. Hmm. Well, the Sabres penalty kill was terrible. Um, they couldn't yeah. stop shots. They gave up tons of quality opportunities. They couldn't they couldn't keep the puck out of their own net. And, uh, you know, if you want to make it an argument of whether. You know, if it's a chicken or egg argument of, you know, is it the goalie's fault or is it the, you know, is it the, the, the system or the player's fault? I tend to lean on it being the system and the players because a lot of those same guys were there the year before and played the PK and the PK was pretty good. And, you know, whatever Ralph did to change it up didn't work just flat out. And Ralph bristles at that kind of talk because the special teams are his baby, hmm. um, which I mean, Hey, I, you know, Hey, listen, I understand. He doesn't want, he doesn't want to take questions from a bunch of morons like us that are just kind of like, <laughs> Hey, Mr. Hockey coach. Uh, it sure seems like your system doesn't work. What do you say? I can't blame him for being a little bit grumpy in trying to reply to that, but, um, but it's, but I mean, it's true. They, they, they couldn't stop anything last year. And they're, if they, if their penalty kill was even average, you know, mid pack average last year, they're probably, they probably were in the bubble playing in the postseason. So, um, I mean, that's a big issue, but the fact that both Carter Hutton and Linus Allmark had the same save percentage on the penalty kill tells mm-hmm. me that the problem is the penalty kill. If your goalies are stopping, yeah. you know, when you, you have a vast difference between in, in the quality of your goalies at five on five, and those guys are the same on the penalty kill. I think your penalty kills the issue because hmm. that means the it's the same it's the same sort of stuff happening for both of them. So, um, but Olmark was a top ten, top five goalie at five on five, and yeah, that that credit goes to Ralph's defensive system. You know, they cut down on quality chances, they cut down on shots, period, and they were able to be very good defensively. Honestly, I mean, people just kind of roll their eyes at that because they didn't win, but. You know, they did a lot better defensively. You know, they were, there weren't games where they were routinely giving up 35 shots a game. And you're just kind of like, boy, goalie, goalie held us in on that one. Um, like we have in the past. Last year, that wasn't the case. You know, they got to clean up better at home. But, you know, they were able to they were able to tighten things up. But um, I'm giving really long-winded answers. To all that stuff. <laughs> well, it's, it's all it's all interesting stuff. I'm curious if uh... – Knowing how the schedule looks this year, it's so compact. There's a ton of back-to-backs, very few off days. Has Ralph Kruger given any indication how he plans to attack that with the goalies? Like it's, it almost seems to me like a college schedule where you're, do you ride the the starting goalie two days in a row? Do you go to the backup? Like does he has he said anything about that? Uh, I don't think he's really said too much on that. It seems like, uh, I mean, Hutton and Hutton and Olmark are his guys, 
obviously, but uh, it sounds like Johansson is going to be the kind of in-between taxi squad guy. I would assume given the compact type of schedule, he's, you know, that'll mean he'll get some starts him or Tokarski. Mm-hmm. But, um, I would say Johansson's probably the, the number three right now. Um, but I don't think you can, I don't think you can do things like and do like a 55, 45, or even a 60, 40 split between Allmark and Hutton given based on what we've seen out of Hutton last year. And even, you know, well, for most of last year, um, if he's gotten his game back together and he's fixed it, you can, you can almost do a 55, 45 split. Um, but I think a lot of times, I think Allmark's going to have to be on top of it. He's, there's going to be some series where he's going to have to play both games of, of that set and just kind of go with it. I, you know, you, you got to, parsing out those those off days in between those those series is, is going to be really tight and i think that's going to put a lot of pressure you know they keep talking up their sports science uh <laughs> department and how you know and diagnosing rest and doing all those things there's going to be a lot of pressure on those guys to figure it out with the goaltending obviously hutton's older um and he's a capable backup guy and he showed for a little while last year that he can start and be, be very good i mean he was great in november last year um but it's a big butt. You, those guys have to be good. Like they have to be, they have to be at least average. <laughs> like they can't, Absolutely. You, can't really, you can't afford to have an, you know, uh, string together off nights because you start stringing together three or four off nights in a row. You're going to be, you're going to be out of it really quick. Yeah. Didn't have eye surgery over the off season, right? Did I, did I read that correctly? Yeah. So I mean, yeah. he had vision problems. For, <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I, it's something you would hope that they would have recognized. <laughs> but, um, Was it the, the movie MVP when he gives the goalie glasses? <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking more, you know, in, in present day, thinking Jameis Winston, who threw 20 interceptions or 30 interceptions, and then decided, oh, wait, I can't see anyone. Let me get LASIK surgery. <laughs> it seemed, seemed okay this year. But um, I had a three yeah, I, I thought I saw a six. What's going on? <laughs> I'm hoping that, uh, you know, Omar can take that jump this year. I, I've always liked him the most out of the two of them, you know, between him and Hutton. Um, obviously, Hutton had a lot of upside coming in when Buffalo signed him from St. Louis. I thought, you know, that automatic upgrade, you know, from what they had. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hutton obviously has not been able to live up to that hype in his time in Buffalo because – in my opinion, he should have been that goalie that was going to get Buffalo over the hump and into the playoffs. Yeah, i i think I think that was that was mainly the idea because he was so good that year, his last year in St. Louis, and you know he was always a really good backup, really solid guy. And you know he spent you know, he spent those t- that time in Nashville behind Pekarene, and it's just like you know you're you're behind some of the some of the really good goaltenders, and mm-hmm. you know he was really solid in St. Louis. And you're thinking like, okay, well if we got to go to this guy and play him. 45 50 games i think you're, you're probably okay because he's obviously there to provide a veteran part for guys like allmark and then eventually lukanen i think you know i think that was the idea that he was going to help help these guys down the road and i think he's doing that with allmark you know i mean obviously those guys are competitors they want more starts you know for both of them but you know they you know both linus and carter can't speak enough good things about each other so i think that's it's a good thing you want to see and that's nice you like you like to see that, and uh, I think in Hutton's case, once this year's over with, I mean, he's you know if it goes very well, I can see him sign. I can see him signing as a backup with somebody else somewhere. Maybe he comes back to Buffalo for a year. I don't know, but um, but if it goes poorly, I mean, 
you know, he, he's a, he's an affable enough guy that, you know, you know, maybe somebody else takes a chance on him, but if not, I mean, he'll be, he'll be uh, in a broadcast chair. Right <laughs> so, I mean, you know, th- things are looking good for him, you know, post career, whatever that happens. But, um, but I mean, if the vision stuff's corrected, I mean, geez, the, the first month of the year last season, he was, he went what six Oh and one with a nine fifty save percentage. Now, granted, mm-hmm. you know, that was when the offense was unbeatable. Um, you know, they piled seven goals up on the devils twice. Right. Um, the power play was scoring at 45% of the time and, you know, everything was hunky dory, but, um, but still, I mean, goalie stopping 95% of the shots is you can't look past that. I mean, you, you could score one goal a game at that rate and probably win most of your games too. What about the, the guys in front of the goaltender? You know, obviously we're, you talk about another question mark with this team. It's obviously defense. Defense is a position that Buffalo's really needed to improve on. I feel like over the last few seasons, they got a lot of young guys back there. I'm a big fan of Brandon Montour. I know he's been talked about possibly as a, a trade candidate, obviously Aristolainen as well. And you got Darlene back there who Darlene, I think everyone is expecting to take that next big step this season as well. But outside of those three guys, I mean, really where are they looking for defense this season? Yeah. Um, People will hate me saying this, but I think Jake McCabe took a really big step last year. Um, big Jake McCabe, are, by the way. People, people that are kind of down on him will point out to you know, you know, a turnover in his own or you know somebody scoring on him. But it's like, uh, of all the defensemen last year that you wanted to see take steps or like show an improvement, especially under a new coach, McCabe showed the biggest growth out of all of them. I thought uh-huh. um, he was he was steady. Uh, he was you know, he plays physical. He's an all heart guy. I mean, he's, he's kind of what you'd expect. Like, you know, if you were a Sabres fan in the eighties or nineties to, you know, he's the kind of guy that I think you, you would be like, no, that dude, I'm all about that dude. He's good. Um, I mean, the, the problem is that you have, you know, Darlene took a step back for a couple months last year. You know, he gets his bell rung against Tampa Bay. And then after that, he was lights out the rest of the year. Um, you know, I expect him to be, he should be the number one defenseman this year. I, I, if there's even a race between him and Ristolainen for minutes played total, I think that's a huge problem uh, for for a few reasons, obviously. But, um, but uh, you know, I, you know, Darlene's gotten bigger, stronger, you know, all those things you want to see, and he's already played two years in the league, and it's crazy. It's crazy to think that you know you had people looking at Quinn Hughes and, you know, a lot of these and Kale McCarr and these guys and saying like, well, geez, why doesn't Rasmus Dahlin do this? I was like, well, I'll let you know after he turns 20. <laughs> like <laughs> like Dahlin's not there yet. And, it, you know, obviously he's on a worse team than, Van, you know, Vancouver was great last year. Colorado's unbelievable. Like, yeah, I think if you put Dahlin on those teams, he's probably doing the same thing and doing way better. Like, and that's crazy hmm. to say that given how much offense those guys put up, but yeah, he's probably way better. I mean, he's a guy that was, you know, doing things better than Bobby Orr did them, you know, as a, as an 18 year old, uh-huh. or 19 year old, like the only guy that did it better than him at that age was Phil Housley. And that was the rock, you know, the, the fire wagon hockey eighties where, you know, you know, some of those games, Phil was playing center instead of defense, but it didn't matter <laughs> because he was still scoring three points a game. You know, like it didn't matter if he was playing the blue liner up front. He was just still, he was still going to get points. And, you know, in Darlene's case, it's a different league. It's not, you know, yeah, offense comes from your blue line, but not at that rate. You know, not at, you know, not at Paul Coffey, you know, on the Edmonton Oilers in the 80s rates. Like that doesn't Mm -hmm. happen now. 
unless you're Eric Carlson and you know don't give a crap about getting back and playing defense. And I think that's that's one of the that's one of the things that Ralph was trying to make sure didn't happen to Darlene was that they wanted to make sure that he he could con- concentrate on being a, you know playing actual defense as well as being able to carry the puck offensively. The offensive stuff comes easy. Like that's uh-huh. pick up the puck and go and just be creative and do your thing. Like that's easy to do. Being mindful enough to be able to play defense on top of that takes work. And defense outside of goaltending, defense is is the hardest position to play in the NHL, especially when you're that young. You don't see 18 and 19 year old goalies in the NHL for a lot of reasons. Seeing an 18 and 19 and 20 year old defenseman in the NHL is is equally difficult because you, you're talking about changing the speed of the game from from juniors or Europe or college, and then playing NHL speed where everything is just like whoa, everybody's twice as fast. The everything happens quicker. Decisions have to be made, you know, at a split second. So, um, yeah. So I'm huge on Dal- I'm huge on Darlene until I see a, until I see a reason to get worried, and I haven't seen that yet. Ristolainen, I mean, listen, we, we beat around the bush on him without, you know, a thousand times. We know the story. We get it. Um, Ralph seems to be a big fan. Um, we know there's skill there. We know there's ability. But I still go back to his first, what, two, three seasons in the league playing on, like, the worst teams in the NHL. Like, like, and we're talking, like, worst teams in the NHL history when we think of 14-15 yep. Sabres. You know, and yeah. imagine being 19... 20 years old and playing 20 plus minutes a night for a team that was that bad and being counted on to try to do anything. Like think of all the bad habits you pick up and all the things that you do that are just like, you know, it was just accepted. It was just kind of like, well, he's young, he's learning, you know, Mm -hmm. he's never corrected out of him. And then, you know, he signs a, signs a nice contract and it's just kind of like, if I'm in that position, it's like, well, I did all this and I was able to get, long-term deal that paid me money why you know why have to change for like what, mm-hmm. what am i you know what am i changing for that's how i mean that, that's how i look at it. that's that's not how ristolina looks at it because he's he's a huge competitive guy and he obviously knows he's he's having struggles with it but do you feel like he would be more productive in a lesser role yes because it, it it minimizes his opportunities to to be on the ice to to create havoc in his own end um <laughs> that's not, not a ringing endorsement no it's not but i think he could benefit from from matchups um mccabe benefited from matchups in a big way last year like instead of think of the any like the last two years where mccabe had to kind of play against those top lines or second lines all the time and how much it really pained him instead now he was getting those matchups against maybe the second line, but also the third and the fourth lines where he can go out and just hammer those guys and just get in their way and prevent opportunities. And he was able to do that really well. I think Ristolina can be used the same exact way. And I think ideally that's why you have, I think Ralph's gone with uh, Ristolina with McCabe as a pairing, at least to start off. He did it at the end of last season and it seemed to work out mostly okay. Um, uh, But I, you know, I I, th- I think there's, I think just cutting cutting back a couple of minutes. If you get them down to like 18 minutes a game, mm-hmm. I think you get the best work out of them because you'll get, ideally, you get the height you get the heights of what he can do as opposed to just seeing everything being constantly negative. That's you know that's kind of what happened with McCabe. I'd love to see it happen with the line because I've kind of given up the ship as far as him being you know like a great defenseman, uh-huh. being a serviceable number four guy just do that honestly like yeah. 
there's no there's zero shame in being paid five million a year to be a great number four because that that happens everywhere in the NHL. Like let's let's be honest. But um, but he's just been tasked with trying to do all these things in situations that he's probably not meant to be in. He shouldn't be your defensive shutdown guy. He should be mm-hmm. like your number PK guy. Um, he should be your number two power play guy. He's he can get tons of points and opportunities there. He's very creative offensively and he's got a really good shot. Mm-hmm. But you know, if he's your shutdown guy at the end of a game, you need to hold a one goal lead. I don't know. I don't I don't think that's the spot you want him in, but the way the Sabres are put together, that's kind of what he has to be. Who's the name on the blue line that Sabres fans are gonna come to appreciate this year? Who's the who's a under the radar guy? You know what? I think it's gonna be Colin Miller this year. And I say that I say that knowing that they've got him playing on his offhand side right now with uh, Yoki Hario on the right. So, and I know that's not, you know, right-handed play on the left-hand side just sucks. Like it just, you have to change everything about your position. You got to change everything you're doing. We saw it didn't work for Montour last year, um, even though he was a good soldier and he put up with it. Um, I think people will, will appreciate Miller a little bit more this time around. Um, and in that same breath, I think Montour is too. I think, if he and Darlene are a thing and they stay a thing, uh, I think we'll see the best. I think we'll see the best out of him just because he'll be playing his natural side and mm-hmm. he'll be in a situation where he'll be getting more of those favorable offensive opportunities because he's going to be with Darlene. That's just going to happen anyways. Um, and I think that'll work out the best for him because again, he's not a guy I really want to see in the PK situations. His talents lend himself more to, to being part of the rush and using his physicality to kind of open up plays for his forward. So um for me, that's I think Miller and I think and I think Montour are two guys that I think you asked for one, I'm giving you two anyways. But that's fine. Uh, uh, but I think those are two guys that I think people will grow to appreciate. It might be more difficult because everybody was down on both of them at different points last year, but um, but I think we'll see I think we'll see some improvement out of both. I think Montour you will too. I, everybody's been so hard on him and saying, you know, what a disaster he's he was last year, which Hey, listen, if, if I'm a defenseman asked to play on my wrong side and play it forward some games too, <laughs> I ain't going to be happy either. Like it's just straight up. I'm just going to be like, all right, dude, whatever. I think Montour, you know, he's another guy as well. You, you talk about the guys on that blue line that are supposed to take a big step. Yeah. I think Montour is absolutely one of those guys. They traded, you know, some pieces to get him. They moved the first, first round pick. pick and they, then they moved Gooley as well for him with that yes. first round pick. Gooley was a guy. Gooley was a guy that I thought every, that they were really high on, so I was kind of shocked that they moved him. So Montour is a guy that he needs to take a step. I don't even think he really has an option. If he doesn't take a step this year, fans are going to get on him, I feel like, pretty quick. Yeah, and it's a contract year for him too. I think he goes mm-hmm. UFA. I think he was UFA next year. So he's got a lot of reasons to to, to really step up. And, you know, I – you know, he's a guy I like a lot. I, when they made that acquisition, I was like, hell yeah, let's go. Like that's, that's a great pick. Um, you know, I think, I think that, that, you know, they get people harp on giving up a first, but I think that was year they had four firsts Yep. Uh, in that draft. And they, they parted with that and Gooley and like Gooley, it just seemed like he was never going to crack through and he still hasn't in Anaheim and they've had defensive questions. So um, I think they, I think they, they read the market well on that deal, but um but he was a guy that I really loved in Anaheim. And I think he really suffered with Randy Carlisle coaching there. Cause you know, trying to play defense for him where, you know, we saw how that worked in Toronto and I love Randy Carlisle as a guy. He's one of my favorite dudes, just uh, adore the guy, but man, he, he was more meant to coach in, in the, in the mid nineties than he was in the mid two thousands and 2010. So, um, but it, but 
but yeah, I, I think if you can get Montour back to what he was doing under Phil Housley, you'll get the best out of him then. Because he, to me, when, when they picked him up, he was perfect to play in what Phil wanted to do with the defense. Yes. Um, but what With what Ralph's doing with it, making it a little bit more stay at home, a little bit more just kind of mind the house uh, in that respect. I don't think that really lends his game so well. Nice. All right, man. We got we to gotta talk about depth forwards before we, we let you go here, right? The Sabres okay. for the first time in, and I say depth, like basically just after the first line, because I think for the first time in a while, they have like a really solid top line that you're excited about that can compete with legitimate top, top scoring threats. And the question is going to be if two, three, and four can provide an, enough so that they got Eric Stahl, they have some pieces, whether they put around, they can move Skinner, they can bring in uh, Oposo, like, are those guys going to be enough? Like, is that is that the real question this year? I When I look at it, when you look at this lineup on paper, I think you can see a lot of this, how it works and say, you can make three really good scoring lines out of it. I think that's, I think that's easy to do. Um, obviously with how Ralph's done the lines uh, throughout uh, the beginning of this, um, fans aren't exactly <laughs> jumping for joy with a lot of it. Um uh, and a lot of that's just because of, you know, stuff with Jeff Skinner, uh, seeing Olsen kind of hop around the lineup a little bit. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think the temptation to kind of load up the first line and just make it an all out, just all out balls out, just let, let, let's go and score a zillion goals line. I understand that. Like, <laughs> it's nice to have an ace in the hole. Uh, when you have a matchup anywhere, you know, home or road and just be able to take that line and say like, all right, guys, go like, go get it. Um, you know, they kind of did that, um, when they, when it was uh, Skinner, Eichel or Reinhardt, you know, where they were able to just say, okay, guys, go get it. Problem mm-hmm. you run into though, is that if they, if other teams shut that line down, then you got nothing else behind it well, you're kind of screwed. Um, so figuring out ways to kind of spread it out in the right ways, uh, is tough. Um, I, I liked what he did with, recently with uh hall and eichel and and tage thompson um i love the idea of that because i think tage is I, yeah i think it's tage's time to 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 kind of blossom on the scene um i saw enough of them at rochester and in the playoffs against the marley's was it two years ago now um i think <laughs> last last year was last year felt like it was five years long so it all blends um, together yeah um but with the way he played in the playoffs and granted Amherst got swept, but Tage was, Tage was a beast. He was, he looked great. Um, so I think, I think it's his time to blossom is now and putting him with Hall and Eichel, uh, letting him use that size to just get in the way. You know, if he's got to park himself down in front, fine. If he's got to hammer guys to, to move him around, fine. Like Hall and Eichel can find their way around the ice. Fine. Don't worry about that. Um, and then spreading, I, you know, putting Reinhardt with stall, I think is a great idea. Um, you're able to, ma- you're able to maximize what, what stall can do. People look at his age and go, geez, I know if this guy's got left, I don't know. He had 40 something points in 60 games last year. It sounds like he's got, sounds like he's still got a lot in the tank. Um, so I like that. The, the issue that you've got though, is, is it's really Skinner and Olsen. Skinner should be easy to figure out, honestly. Um, put him with either stall or Eichel and let him go. Like just have fun with it. <laughs> yeah. You know? Putting him with Cody Eakin, I don't like because I, Eakin, Eakin, you're going to, if you don't like the fancy stat discussions of the Sabres, you're probably going to end up liking Cody Eakin a lot just because those guys are going to hammer on him all year long. Um, and it's, it's already started. So like if you're, if, 
if your reaction to seeing talk of uh, expected goals and Corsi and all that is going to be like, I don't need to hear it. Cody Eakins, your guy. Cause, <laughs> cause he's not going to contribute well to any of those categories at all, at least based on his history. Yeah. He scored 20 in Vegas. And I, I think having him as your number three center right now, you're looking to try to tap into that again. And if that means putting Olsen with him uh, and I don't know. I think they've had Opozo there or Reader um, on that group. You're really playing with a lot of fire. Olofsson, great on the power play. Like, fantastic on the power play. Five on five is a struggle. And he struggled with Jack. And that, to me, says a lot. Um, I don't know if that means you need to put him with more of a distributor center. Uh, it's not to say that Jack doesn't distribute, but I'd rather the puck be on Jack's stick than anybody else's. Um so if you're thinking just pausing for the ambulance to go <laughs> no worries. so so if you're thinking so if you're thinking um if you're thinking stall is going to be more of a distributor i think i think that's the right way to think and i think if olsen plays with him that's good i think olsen stall and reinhardt would be a pretty good line um but you but victor has to score fives like he his weapon on the power play is so good that you need him in the lineup to play in those situations. Like you can't not play him, but also you can't, you're, you're burned if he can't find his way to score goals at five on five. Now he found ways to do it in Rochester. Like, you know, he got a hot start on the power play then started scoring at fives. And then suddenly he was just an all around threat. That's good. Started to do the same thing last year, but like, you know, after he got a couple of five on five goals, it kind of dried out and then he started getting power play goals again. And it just became a cycle. So if that's what he's, you know, if that's what his career is going to be, if he's going to be a 25 to 30 goal guy every year and you're going to get 15 of those on the power play, I think you live with it because <laughs> 15 power play goals is really damn good. Um, Absolutely. But I think if you're playing Jeff Skinner with Curtis Lazar again and Kyle Pozo and you're giving him 11 minutes a night, you're, you're failing, you're failing completely. And hmm. to me, that's, it's inexcusable. If you're asking Jeff Skinner to, to, to be able to produce offense with those two guys consistently, how is he getting the puck? Cause you have to think that the defense pair matchups are not going to be Darlene and, and Montour all the time with that, with that line. You have to think it's going to be more Miller and Yoki Haru, or it's going to be McCabe and Ristolainen, given that the, that line is going to be more of a defensive sort of line. Um, which in that case, if you're Jeff Skinner and you're going to be able to dangle and, and, cheat out of the zone if that's how you have to create offense where well, you're just going to get killed by the coach because then you're not playing great defense and then it's just the cycle that perpetuates itself so um to me if you know and the worry is always is skinner's defense but all the guy does his whole career is score at five and five like he has one of the best five on five scoring rates of anybody i mean we're talking crosby we're talking all these guys his five and five goal rate is insane let him give him the people to play with at five on five and let him score there because that's where he does his scoring. He doesn't do it on the power play. He does it. He does it at even strength and which is more valuable. Yeah. And you know, last year he was, he was bitten by bad luck. He had his, he tied his worst shooting percentage of his career. He shot seven. I think it was like 7.1%, something, something around there, you know, the year before when, you know, when he scored 40 with Buffalo, most of the season he was running at 20%. So when he went cold in the last month of the half of the year, everybody said, well, what the hell? Like, you're not going to shoot 20% all year long. Like that's right. just not going to happen. Like, if you do, you know, good on you. But 
Um, but like, that's, that's what happens, but like, he's not going to shoot 7% again. Now you might be able to look back on this and say, well, he shot 5% this year playing with a couple of guys who can't pass. So that's how it goes. But, um, but his history shows that he bounces back from this, but knowing that and giving him two guys that aren't offensive, you know, Kyle Posa was offensive minded at one point, but that's not his job. Now he's a four checker hitter. And Curtis Cesar is, is kind of like a Johan Larson light at this point where, you know, he's there to kind of get under your skin and, and, you know, give you the, give you the nice smile and talk crap at you. So like, you know, Je- Jeff Skinner will, won't smile at you and he'll swear, swear his face off at you on the ice. But, um, but still like you, you can't go in just thinking you're just going to throw 10 minutes a night at him and he's just going to be able to score goals with anybody. That's not how it works. I mean, Carolina thought they could do it that way with him didn't work and then things just kind of fell apart there but uh doing the same thing with him now when he's got six more years after this making a lot of money Mm-mm, man Mm-mm. <laughs> you cannot do that and people are like put you know expose him to seattle well you can't he's got a no move so you got to figure it out like you don't have a choice and you know if you're jeff skinner you know how much at what point do you decide to just be a dick about it and tell ralph like listen I'm here for at least six more years. Can you say the same? You know, like, mm. you know, get me, you know, find me somebody to work with here. Like this, you know, you put him with Marcus Johansson last year and Johansson hadn't been a center for seven years. Like, how was that going to work out? Like it didn't, it just didn't. Like the guy so, you worked best with was Johan Larson and that lasted like four games. So let me ask you this question then beyond this year, obviously with his cap hit and contract, you know, it's most likely he's going to be here. But Ralph, for some reason, doesn't seem to be a big fan of Jeff Skinner. So what is Jeff Skinner's future? I mean, is he a Buffalo Sabre come the start of the 2021-2022 season? Uh, yeah, he probably is. Nine million a year is a lot of money to eat. Um, that's a tough cap hit for anybody, especially with the economic circumstances. I mean, I can't see anybody want to take that on unless you're taking somebody else's $9 million issue to them. And even then, you know, you wonder what Skinner's reputation is around the league. Honestly, um, when he left Carolina, I mean, he got nothing but bad talk by Rod Brindamore and Don Waddell. Like they could not say enough bad things about him when he left. And to Jeff Skinner's credit, he just said, Hey, you know, Hey, listen, it was just time to move on time to go. Um, but Carolina couldn't wait to, couldn't wait to get rid of him. I mean, that's, that, that's an issue. So you wonder what the opinion is around the league of, of what his value is, because, you know, when it was time for a free agency, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, it's easy to, it's easy to sign in Buffalo when they give you $72 million. That's, that's, right. that's an easy thing. But, um, but at that point you wonder what the market was going to be like for him. Had he reached on July 1st, you know, it's, you know, does he get 9 million a year at that point? Well, coming off a 40 goal season in his career, maybe he might have, but, um, but at this point, after how it went last year, and I mean, obviously you can look at, you can look at the fancy stats and go, listen, he generated as many shots as he used to. He did all the same things he did. They just didn't go in. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, to me, you can look at it. Like, it, I think if, I, I, I think if Dylan cousins can seize that number three center spot, I think that's the opportunity there for, for Skinner. Um, obviously that's not where he's going to be right now uh just because you know it's a weird year it's his rookie year like just don't 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 do to him what you did to casey middlestat and just say here kid go get it um Mm -hmm. you can't do that um 
but I think I think eventually that's how that's going to work. This is Sabers have two really good scoring lines right now, at least on paper. They want to have three, and I think Dylan Cousins is going to be that. He's going to be the guy that's going to make that happen at some point, whether it's this year or next year. But uh, I think in Skinner's case, you, you got to be looking at that, saying, looking at Cousins, going like, "All right, bud, let's go. Like, let's let's pick, let's pick it up here. Let's let's make sure I can get like I can get on there and, and get out there and score a little bit because you know he needs it and it's better for the Sabres if he's scoring. Like it's, it's so stupid to, to, to think that like, they don't need Jeff Skinner. They do <laughs> 30 oh, to 40 absolutely. goals a year. They do like, they absolutely, absolutely do. Outside of, you know, Dylan cousins, you, you obviously who you've just said, you, you seem to have high praise for Dylan cousins to say the least. The other guys yeah. that, that Buffalo really has in the system. Now, obviously you got Dylan cousins who we mentioned, uh, the other guy at camp right now is Jack Quinn, who they just drafted this year. From reading what you tweeted after the World Juniors, you know you said uh, Johnson had a good, 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 uh, good World Juniors. Cousins had a good World Juniors, and well, Jack Quinn was just there. So, what right now? What are your thoughts on Quinn? And on top of that, the other guy from this year who everyone seems to be talking about too, JJ Paterka. Yeah, I. Yeah, yeah. Paterka, Johnson, and Cousins all had great World Juniors, and mm-hmm. Quinn was just—he was just there. Like, yeah, you're—he just, you know, I, 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 I'm really stuck on Quinn just because I, 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 you know, hey, everybody's worth a shot of proving everybody wrong. It's fine. Um, I would, my happier place on him would be to see him go back to Ottawa, um, and see what he can do without the benefit of having like Marco Rossi and some of these other guys up there. I want to see what he can do on a team that's his um, and see if he can produce that same kind of goal rate. Obviously he'll be a little bit closer to be, you know, he won't be overage, but he'll be, he'll be, he'll be an older guy there. I'll be 19, 19, almost 20. And I would love to see what he can do in that situation. I don't, I don't, I don't think the Sabres can afford to. And I say this because it, it's such a weird season. Um, and they can't really like, they might be able to send them to the AHL because they might make a special exclusion just because of how screwed up everything is schedule wise with the, you know, with the junior leagues. But, um, would Quinn benefit from playing in the AHL? I'm not totally sure. Would he benefit from playing the NHL? I don't think so. Um, because I don't, I don't know that he's going to be good enough to be able to stand out in those lines. I mean, you're already looking at it, you know, he's a right wing. I think he plays right wing. Um, and you're looking at you've got Reinhardt, you've got Thompson, you've got a Pozo, you've got Re, you know you've got Reader, you've got a bunch of guys that are you know once you get behind you know Reinhardt and, and Thompson at least at this point, it's kind of open but it's really not given what the roles are and I don't think you want Jack Quinn playing third third line role especially if Cousins is is getting his start as the third line right wing, like yeah you want him getting minutes because I don't sending him to, back to Lethbridge does no good. Um, I think that does that does disservice to him because he's already proved he's better than that. I mean, he was co-MVP of the league last year. Like, he's he's ready. Like, it's time to move up. Um, but, you know, he's another guy where you can't send him to the AHL to kind of test it out and see what he can do there. So you're, you're kind of stuck. But, um, but Cousins is more ready for the NHL than I think Quinn is. And I don't think that – I don't think he can really argue that. Um, in Quinn's case, though, he's just kind of stuck because if he has to wait for – the OHL to come around and play like what a 15, 20 game season, maybe, you know, you're not really getting a big feel for it. Cause you know, the world juniors, like he, you know, he got a, you know, he got a good start playing on those lines and, and whatnot, but I, 
I can't help but think of going back to that game against Germany where they win 16 to two and he had an assist or, or an empty net goal or something like that, or whatever it was like, uh, you know, I mean, uh, it couldn't have been an empty net goal, but like, yeah, I think he had one point in that game and it's just like, all right, man, like everybody was scoring that game, get you some, like you didn't really. So, um, and I mean, it's a loaded team, but like, it's not like he wasn't afforded opportunities there. Like he played with cousins. He played with, with new hook. He played with a bunch of those guys, you know, it wasn't like he was, you know, the 13th forward every game and he was only playing specialty situations. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I'm a little down. I'm a little down on, on Quinn, but I just, I want to see more of what he's got. That's, that's where I stand. My, and my, the problem with me saying that, and I can just scream at myself in my own head is that you shouldn't have to say that about your number eight pick. You shouldn't have to say, well, I need to see more. You should know what he's about. You should know what he's got. And you should know what he's able to do at that point. And I don't feel that we know that exactly. Like we know what he can do, but I need to see more of it. Like, let me see more of it in Ottawa away from, away from Rossi and away from all these guys, even though he played with that, he didn't play with those with Rossi specifically. Um, but show me another 50 goal season. Show me, you know, another, you know, another season where he scores at that rate. That's what I want to see. Um, when it comes to Paterka, uh, what more could you ask for? Played on, on a not loaded German team. You know, him and Stutzlow were, were head and shoulders better than everybody on their own roster, uh, as they should have been. And Paterka looked great. Um, you know, Stutzlow was fantastic all tournament. Ottawa's got a really good guy there. Uh, but the Sabres, I think, got a really good one in Paterka. I think that's that's a guy you're just kind of happy to see him kind of break out in that, in that situation and just kind of go wild with it. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll be anxious to see what his point production is when he goes back in when he's while he's back in Germany, um, because I think he's a guy that you can see come over. I don't know. You want to have him hang out in Germany that long? I'd get. I want to get him over here as soon as possible, playing North American games. But um, we'll see how much they want to kind of slow down the process with that. Ryan Johnson, holy crap! You couldn't find a prospect that Sabres Twitter hated more than Ryan Johnson after he was picked thirty first. Um, a couple years ago. Um, and then after his freshman year at Minnesota, people were just like, what the hell were they thinking? Why did they pick this guy? And they're picking out, you know, they're picking out Arthur Kaliev and all these guys that went early in the second round saying the Sabres could have got this guy. And yeah, Kaliev would have been a great pick. Um, don't get me wrong. That's not to say he would have been a bad pick. That would have been awesome. But, um, but Ryan Johnson looks awesome this year. Like this whole year he's been, he's been fantastic at Minnesota. He looked great at the tournament. Um, I'm excited about him. Like he, he plays very fast. He's a really good skater. Um, I know Sabres fans will remember him from development camp last year where he got turned inside out. <laughs> I, I think it was, uh, yep. I forget, forget who it was that turned him inside. It might've been Olofsson maybe. It was Olofsson that like kind of skated him inside out. I forget, but, um, but yeah, like whatever that he can handle the puck. He can carry the puck. He's fast. He's, he's an offensive minded guy. Please just let him, let him play that role <laughs> when he comes, when he comes out of Minnesota and he goes to Rochester, I'll just let him be your guy to carry. Like you can, you can figure out the defense. He can figure that out with Bob Motzko coaching him. I'm not too worried about him now. I think he's good. I think he's going to be a pretty damn good player. Um, and then cousin, I, we don't need to talk about cousins. We, <laughs> we've already talked enough about him. I think, he, I think he's going to be fine. I'm really anxious to see what more he can do in camp. I mean, or I should say this season in the taxi squad, because season starts this yeah. week. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Hey, Joe, you've been very gracious with our time here. We thank you for this. Um, we're going to get a lightning round out of you, and then we'll let you get out of here, okay? So, Charlie, we're just going to alternate throwing questions at him. It could be hockey. It could be food. It can be pretty much anything. Anything. 
I'm All right, I'll start. I'm hoping it, we never uh, have to learn the answer here. But how close are we, if things go poorly this year, to Jack Eichel potentially wanting out? Oh no! Don't, you you really ask that question? Yeah, I mean, because that that's yeah. something I'm actually worried about. Like, if it if it keeps know, going the way it's been going, this can't be a I, short answer. I have this nightmares is. about this. <laughs> um, things go really bad this year. Uh, I'd be very worried about two two years. I'm gonna say two years because uh, that's including this year. So two years will be next year, or two years after that. Yeah, because that's when his uh, that's when his no move clause kicks in, and he can decide his own fate. Um, which is, I think, that's I would if I'm in Jack's position, I'm giving it two years and then figuring and seeing where things go from there. Honestly, because if there's still not a playoff team after he's been here for seven seasons, I I would want to go too. Like, show oh, yeah. me progress. Oh, yeah. Show, if you're knocking on the door like this year, like if they finish fifth this year and miss by like three points, you can say, all right, we're close. And then you can use that going into the next, the next season when things get back to normal, maybe. And then say like, all right, listen, we're going to, we're going to get this figured out. And, you know, of course that's tough because this off season is going to be weird because they got to get Reinhardt figured out what they're going to pay him. They got to pay Darlene. <laughs> like you got to figure out like, are they going to keep Taylor Hall? Like how does that go? Like if, if Eichel and Hall pop off this year, how much does Jack get the strong arm, the team into saying like, well, if you don't keep him, guess who's asking out? <laughs> like You better keep me happy here guys. Cause otherwise, I don't know. looking a little ugly next summer. I might be wanting to go to New York city. So, um, but yeah, like honestly, I, and two more years. I think that's where it breaks down. That's when the no no move kicks in. He can decide where he wants to go. Sabers totally are you know bent over a barrel at that point and completely screwed. Because if they if they're still not a playoff team within the next two seasons, it's it's ugly. That's a complete that's a complete failure from ownership down at that point because you've. You you bottomed out to make sure you got one of those two guys, and you can't make the playoffs in in his first seven seasons. You get and no sympathy. Forget, you get zero sympathy from anybody at that point. Don't forget, two years in a row, they were the first place team in the league, and the wheels completely fell off. Yeah, back to back seasons. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Fun, right? <laughs> it's been, it's, it's <laughs> I yeah, try to tell people all the time. I try to tell people all the time. You know, being a Buffalo sports fan, as much as people think, like, oh, Buffalo sports fans, all they do is whine on Twitter, and that's them. Like, no, it's not whining. This we've been, we've seen such good hockey and good football in our lifetimes, and we've all seen such bad hockey and football for so long yeah. that it's like we, we're just itching to get back to when we were good. <laughs> yeah, it, it's weird. It's like that's why doing throwback stuff in Buffalo is just like an instant money win. Just because mm-hmm. you're like, oh, hey, this is a flashback to when, oh, right, teams won. Okay. That's right. The Royal Blue is a smart way to go. Yeah. Well, you know, I know people love the red and black stuff, but man, like, tell me when you look at a picture of McGillney wearing the, the blue and gold. Like, I've got a McGillney jersey hanging in the closet. You know, like, it's the best looking freaking thing in the world. Like, it was the best logo, it was the best jersey set. Like, it, you know, granted, this is old guy me saying this, but basically every uniform set from, from like 1989 through like 1993 is perfect. Nice. All right, Charlie, you're up, Charlie. So Joe, are I guess two part question. Are you, you're not from Buffalo originally, correct? Correct. Okay. 
So now that you've been in Buffalo, you've been in Buffalo, you said, since 2013? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So where is your favorite place for chicken wings? Oh, man. I, I know there's so I, many great options up there, but you got to pick one. Like the what? one you pick oh. till the, to, if everything was closed down, it was the only restaurant open that you can get chicken wings from. Picking one is so hard. <laughs> um. If you let me pick a top ten, I would be perfect at that. But I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you three. I'll make it a little easier. I'll give you three. Three, okay, three. I can do. Um, Most people just know right away. You are like really deep in thought here. No, no, because I made it an effort to go and to go to as many places and check out as many as I could. Because every time I go to someplace new, somebody would say like, "Oh, have you been to this place?" No, I haven't. Oh, you need to go here. Okay, well, I'm gonna go there next. <laughs> like it, that was the best way to do it. And the thing I found out is that no place here does them bad. It's right. just like some do it a little bit better than others and to more of what you like. And to mm-hmm. me, that's the best thing about it. Like you I found out that the further like closer to Orchard Park, like East Aurora that you go, the crispier the wings get. Yes. Like, so you go more south and east, they get a lot crispier. Um, which is a weird distinction I, I because like you can start at like you start in like allentown with like gabriel's gate which is still primo to me um it's, it might not be in my top three though it's still fantastic okay um but like if you started at anchor bar which people crap on anchor bar because they're just like nah, 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 blah blah what they, they make it's, they make the wings the same way they've made them since they since they opened the place like they haven't changed why should they change <laughs> you know like they made it like we make it how we've made it always like which is fine. I accept it for that. And it's great. It's just like, you get like your sort of time warp feel to it, which is perfect. Um, But other places found ways to improve upon it. And that's great. Like you want that. You don't want everybody just copying off the same thing and just saying like, ah, well, we do it exactly like them. Well, so what? I'll go there then. Like, fine. Screw you. But, um, but for three, uh, three, nine, 11 tavern. Um, Absolutely. Uh, To me, their sauce is, is maybe one of the best um and they have to me they're like the demarcation line before the crisp they're like the the choice between saucy and crispy line um the crispy line the further you know you you, like you're in south buffalo basically at 9 11 but like the more you go out towards east aurora orchard park from there the crispier they get because like you go to barbell those things are crispy barbell's really good um but 9-11 has like a su- superior sauce because I think they add garlic to it. Um, at least based on like what I've seen when I've eaten them, I can see like little bits of garlic in it. And I'm just like, oh, hell yeah, let's go. That That's the best sauce. And I just freaking love their wings. And the only thing I wish it would be number one with a bullet if it wasn't just if they didn't have just weird hours and hmm. um, you weren't sure if they were ever open. <laughs> um, that's that's where I that's where I get hung up. Um my next pick is Mimosers, um, which John Warrow got me turned on to because uh, he talked about it up and down nonstop. And I was like, you know, and, and John, John, when he gets going on something, it's just yes. kind of like, all right, all right, all right. I, I'm, I'm, li- I'm going to listen to you here. Um, you better be right. <laughs> like, because if you're not right, you're going to hear about it from me. And when you know he was freaking right, like that place is outstanding. Um, and Mimosers is in Hamburg. I think that's hamburg yes yes yeah. um I, like that place is perfect and like they're hot their hot barbecue is like 
unbelievably good. Um, it's hot. Like, make no mistake, it's hot. But it's it's the perfect dividing line between I, I want to drink a lot of milk after this or just being like sweating from your brow and just totally cool with it. Um, number three, though. <sighs> You know what? I'm I'm gonna keep it close to home. I will say Gabriel's Gate is three, and okay. people people rain on me about that all the time. They're just like, yeah, it's not that good, dude. Every time I go there, it's perfect. It's it's the right amount of saucy. It's just crispy enough. Um, their barbecue wings are really good, um, but like the, if you get their hot, it's a it's a very ideal hot, and like it's the place that like when other writers come to town, they're like, Hey, where do I get wings at? I was like, well, where are you staying? Actually, it doesn't matter. Just go to Gabriel's gate. Cause I know you're somewhere <laughs> downtown. Just go there and you're going to be really happy. Um, yeah. Those, those are the three right off the top of my head. I, it's weird. I was just talking with Patrick Moran. Who's, who's the godfather on wing, wing ratings and wing rankings today. <laughs> and we didn't talk about wings at all today. And I didn't even prepare, like prepare. Like I, I it's been so long since I've, been able to go out and grab wings from anywhere because i just don't feel like if i'm not eating them at a bar or a restaurant with friends and i just kind of don't want to get wings like mm -hmm. wings for takeout out and bringing them home is just kind of sad because <laughs> they're, not, they're not steaming hot when i get them back to my apartment and they're just kind of like a little bit cold and i'm just like all right well wings i guess but uh, <laughs> especially if i'm getting them from like 9 11 or if i'm down at hamburg like i can't take them from hamburg back to the west side and have them you know hot that just that ain't happening but um but yeah I'll, I'll i'll be i'll be my neighborhood neighborhood homer and say gabriel's gate for third not a bad choice i i always say when i come into town you know whether it's my wife or we come in with friends i always take them to gabriel's gate and elmo's is another big one that i'm a big fan of i really like elmo's a lot god how, you know what <laughs> too late joe you already said it you already said your three but i mean elmo's no. again almost Cajun hot double dip is out of this world. Yes. Out, out of this freaking yeah. world. It's so good. No, I, Brooke. Ah. Khalil Mack knew what he was doing going to Elmo's. Yeah. Oh, did. he 100% did. Khalil Mack, Joe Licata, like all those guys. Like anybody, yeah. any, you know, that, that, whenever, whenever I get a call from Tim Graham and he's like, hey, let's go to Elmo. Yes. Yes. <laughs> do you want to go to L? Yes, I do. I do want to go to there. Nick Joe, what, what is uh, your favorite uh, site or sites plural when you need to look up hockey analytics? Uh, first and foremost, natural hat trick. Uh, natural hat trick. Hats trick. We um, naturalhattrick.com is is my automatic go to. Um, if you ever want to just try to get into advanced stats and just kind of you know just kind of get thrown into the not quite the deep end but like the five foot end of the pool, you know. And, Apologies to anybody who's not taller than five feet. Um, but, um, but if you want to get in and have it maybe like up, you know, comfortably high up on you, like that's that's a good place to go for it because it'll have it's just the raw numbers, you know, they, they get it from the game sheets and, and whatnot. But it's like that that for me is like a is the ultimate resource. That is that is hands down the best. I'm also a big fan of um let me look through my toolbar here, actually. <laughs> um uh, oh no, I had to restore my computer so all my old things are gone. That's thanks. Oh, um, Joe, hockey season starts Thursday. Come on. I haven't I haven't <laughs> written about it 
comprehensively in, in quite a while. So cut, cut me cut me a little bit of a break there. I, um, I had a bunch of sites in my folder, but like every year, like more sites would get they would go offline because the guys would get hired by teams. Yeah, um, I I'm worried about um, hockey viz for for one for being one of those uh, that might go by the wayside. Um, evolving hockey is another one. Uh, the twins, Luke and Josh, are just absolutely brilliant with what they're what they're able to do um hockey viz where it's uh micah blake mccurdy mm -hmm. i can name i can name people by name um even though i forget what their sites are uh cory snyder fantastic i mean he does a lot of the um controlled entry stuff he's always doing different things and you know sometimes he's going back and analyzing uh, old games like watching video and tracking stuff from those like i think he was doing the 75 stanley cup final between buffalo and philadelphia oh my goodness recently and tracking a lot of that stuff. And um, sometimes when he tweets out observations of those games, it's fascinating. Cause then he's just like, he's like, wow, you know, who was really good. Jerry Korab. Wow. What a, what a guy. And I'm like, yeah, no, he was good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't just King Kong Korab beating snot out of people. He was actually really good. Um, um, who else? Um, there's so many people that do just unbelievably good work. Um, and I'm for, I know I'm forgetting a bunch of them, but like there's so many people that I really look up to and and really appreciate everything that they're able to do. You know, I mean, you know, I look at you know just locally what Chad Demonisus is doing with um, with X Buffalo. Buffalo, it's fantastic to have somebody locally trying to trying to carve their way into that and and to dig around in it. If I was younger, I would absolutely be a huge dork and just you know trying to figure something out on my own to track and to do, but. I'm an old dog at this now, man. Like I'm just, I'm happy to take in what everybody's doing and just use it to, to kind of further grow my knowledge of it. And, you know, like, you know, I, I got to go to the RIT uh, hockey, hockey analytics conference uh, one year, which reminds me, Ryan Stimson, my, my, I have his patron, book. It's uh, right behind me. It's that's on deck. I got it right over, right over here. Oh, dude, Mike. cheers. <laughs> 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 gotta support our, our local guys right. um, but man Ryan, ryan's freaking brilliant man and um like all these people are uh asme to me i freaking adore her work she's she's doing stuff in like the medical field now with like doing statistical breakdowns so she's like on another plane as far as what she's doing um uh alex mandricki who is just who was just hired by the seattle kraken um her husband is a big uh sabers fan uh, so when she was, uh, when she was writing for, I think it was war on ice. I think it was war on ice. Um, I, I talked to her a bunch about, and she's like, she's like, you know, I kind of like the Sabres too. And I was like, what, what do you mean? She's like, well, that's my husband's <laughs> favorite team. And I was like, nice. oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> she's like, she's like, yeah, they're not really doing so hot. I was like, I know, I know. But, um, but she worked with the wild. She's just got hired by Seattle. Um, and so did Namita. I always forget Namita's last name, but Namita's brilliant as well. She used to work for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles doing statistical, statistical work, and now she's working for the Kraken. And like, just all these people who like you would just go to their blogs and whatever online and just be like, wow, they're on another level here. Mm -hmm. Like, what kind, of, like, what kind of stuff is this? And you know, then they're snatched up and all their work's gone immediately. That, which, you know, for everybody who's gone off and headed off into other planes, like good for that. Like Rob Volman, Rob Volman was. He was a dude that I, I leaned on quite a bit, and he works for the LA Kings now. So like all of his work is just gone from the internet, which I'm sure he has it like filed away somewhere and and whatnot. But he's doing work for the Kings, and you know he's written a couple of books. He's fantastic. It's oh man, like 
<laughs> for a lightning round, I'm really dragging this out. This is like an electrical. <laughs> oh, you, believe, it or, believe it or not, we've had a lot longer. So you're good. Like you are still under, I believe what, what the average is. So I think you're good. Oh, okay. Well, I don't feel so bad now. I can <laughs> stretch my um, legs. <laughs> so I, I, I was scrolling through your Twitter before you know, we had you on and oh, I started some, uh, some Detroit Lions stuff. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just going to assume you're a Detroit Lions fan. Is that correct? Yeah, which is, is fine. Which is fine. This actually helps my no, question. It's not it's not <laughs> what, is, what is harder, uh, being a Detroit Lions fan or being a Buffalo Sabres fan? Because at least, at least with the Detroit hockey team, you at least have had Stanley Cups and have yeah. enjoyed, you know, the the, the creme de la creme. Right. Well, obviously, hasn't um, had that in any capacity. But so on a pure good, standpoint, and and the and the, the you know the Lions and and Sabers are not. There's my best comparison I can give you. Um, have the Sabers ever not won a game in a season? <laughs> 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 at some point probably right uh, I know they've blown multiple first round picks in a row um so they've got that in common with the lions um, <laughs> uh playoff droughts uh I just saw that Detroit uh has not won a playoff game since 91 19, uh technically January 5th 1992 38 to 6 over the Dallas Cowboys because I watched it <laughs> uh, which makes me I'll special because that's the only playoff game they've won since 1957 when they won the oh, NFL wow. championship. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I thought being a Bills fan was tough, man. I, I have a newfound uh, <laughs> appreciation for uh, Reliance fans. Yeah. yeah. So like when, like when other teams go to the Super Bowl, like when Carolina went years ago and I was like, Oh, that's neat. That's cool. <laughs> well, like, and the, Saint, the Saints went and then they won and I was like, Oh, right. Yeah. Or, well, it's, it's probably the same way the Sabres fans felt when Vegas went to the Stanley Cup Finals <laughs> years ago. Well, I yeah. mean, yeah, I'm positive, but like at least then it's like you got Toronto fans on board for that too. Like you know, mm-hmm. you know Toronto. My favorite thing about Toronto right now is you know, and Toronto fans are special. They're spe- they're special people. I you know I I my first year I covered Sabres and Leafs together uh, for NHL.com. Ooh. My first year here, which was it was great. Oh. Both teams ended up being terrible. I mean, the, the Leafs, the Leafs, at least in early February that year, were like third in the East, and then they finished twelfth. Oh, <laughs> so they they kind of they kind of fell by the wayside at the end. But um, but my my favorite fun stat is that the Sabers have won a playoff series more recently than the Maple Leafs have, and that's uh, amazing. <laughs> that's I, I got a lot of friends. I got a lot of friends <laughs> I work with that are Leafs fans, and now now that I have that stat in my back pocket. Next time they start talking crap about Buffalo, I'm going to make sure. Yeah, when's the last time you guys won the playoff series? Yeah, I think I think the Sabres it was 2007, and I think the Leafs it was 2004. It's been a while for them. Yeah, I mean they've made the playoffs a bunch, and but they haven't <laughs> won. And then last year they technically didn't even make the playoffs, even though they were in the bubble. They didn't make the the final 16. So right. Um, but yeah, but like I, I guess in that respect, the Leafs are kind of like the Lions, I suppose. Maybe, is- maybe the Leafs are a close comparison, but yeah. you know, but, well, the, the Leafs get way more attention than the Lions. Although all the attention the Lions get is bad; it's always negative. Well, it's, it's like like the Sabers. They like think think when they in, in, instituted the Rooney Rule about uh, interviewing black candidates for for coaching jobs. You know who the only team is to violate the Rooney Rule? 
the Detroit Lions. <laughs> <laughs> because they instituted the rule, and then that was the year that Steve Mariucci became available, and the Lions ran out and hired him immediately. And they're like, did you interview anybody else? And they're like, well, no. They're like, well, guess what? <laughs> so, and uh, and just so you know, it did not work with Steve Mariucci in Detroit. So no, that, no, it did not. That did not work out very well. So, um, but yeah, but like, you know, I look at it. Imagine, imagine what Bills fans would be like if they had Thurman Thomas and Bruce Smith together on a team, and then never, never advanced past the AFC Championship game, or never even made it past the first round of the playoffs with them, like their entire career. And then, before they're even out of their prime. They just decided, you know what? We're done with football. Like, <laughs> never mind going somewhere else. We are done with the sport. Yeah. The Lions have done that twice. They did it with Barry yes. and they did it with Calvin. And now, like, now Calvin's up for the Hall of Fame. It won't talk like, to him. Won't talk to him because they, they took because money back. Both guys, they did this with both of them. They asked for signing bonus money back when they retired because they're like, oh, well, you're not playing. So you, uh, you technically don't deserve that money. They did it to Barry, and Barry didn't talk to him for years. And I'm just like, well, no, why yeah. should he? I mean, at this rate, Kevin Johnson is going to go into the Hall of Fame not talking to the Lions. Well, the Lions will find a way to, to be like, hey, you know what? We're sorry. You know, they'll do that. I hope Calvin gives them the finger and just says, whatever, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Like, I, 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 I unfortunately own too much Lions merchandise, but, like, I stopped buying it years ago like the last thing i bought was a calvin johnson like player t-shirt and then i think i think the following year he retired so i was just like perfect no this is good and then <laughs> like the other jerseys i have like i've got a barry sanders one uh and th then it gets ugly i've got a roy williams um he was the good receiver out of the three that they drafted in a row um charles rogers and mike michael uh mike john or the mike johnson the guy from USC who was just a beast, I forget his name, but he ended up getting too fat that when he left the Lions, he became a tight end, I think, with the Patriots, and then he just like he never played. But uh, sounds like Calvin Benjamin. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, no, the guy the Lions picked ended up ballooning to like 265. So oh, geez. Bad. Um uh, I've got a Joey Harrington because why why wouldn't I? Um, but I've got a Herman Moore. The Herman Moore one's actually good. Um, that's the only other good one. Um, which is unfortunate that he did most of his damage with Scott Mitchell at quarterback because Scott Mitchell was just a freaking bum. Um, which people got mad at Lomas Brown years, years, a few years back when Lomas Brown was just kind of like, Yeah, we kind of let Scott Mitchell get a hit on purpose. And I was just like, Yeah, I believe that. I, I would too. Especially after he threw like, he threw like four interceptions in the first half against the Eagles in the playoffs in a game. The game the Eagles won like 56-38 and Don Mikowski replaced Scott Mitchell in the second half because Scott Mitchell threw like four interceptions. So Buffalo's own Don Mikowski did better in that game than Scott Mitchell. And that was after Mikowski had already had his run with the Packers. It's like they're safe. They're pre-Brett Favre, like feel-good guy. Wow. There's a lot of sadness with Lions football history. And wow. it's just every, like, and every time they lose a, like have a horrible beat and people are just like, wow, can you believe it? Yes. In fact, I <laughs> predicted it two quarters ago. Like, I, will, I will say though, their win this year. I, I, so I live in Atlanta and I would say I have a lot of friends that are Falcons fans that just hate me because I'm, because I'm a Bills fan and because everyone's so obnoxious, every, they think on Twitter and social media and, you know, they mistake our obnoxiousness for our passion or our passion for our obnoxiousness, whatever you want to say. 
they don't they don't like the Bills straight up. So when Detroit came back and won that game the way they did, I was I was probably the biggest Detroit Lions fan for the day <laughs> after that win this year. My, my favorite part of that game was after after the Falcons scored late, and then people were like, "Oh, the Lions let them do it on purpose." And I'm looking, I'm doing the whole Jim Halpert stare into the camera thing, like, <laughs> right, right. Really, they let them do that? I was like, no, they're that bad. It just ended up being that the Falcons are also that bad. In case anybody had forgotten the Super Bowl, twenty-eight to three, where they were <laughs> running all over the Patriots, and then decided, you know, what's a good idea? Let's throw the ball. Like, yeah. okay, really smart. How did that work for the Houston Oilers against the Bills back in the day, where they were like, hey, let's keep throwing instead of burning Touché. the clock? Touche. You know, like, it does, like it, it, and I'm guilty of this too. I, I coach flag football. When, you know, back when I was like a teenager and like, I'm guilty of it too. You start falling in love with the part of the game. You're just like, no, let's just keep doing it. Even though it's the dumb thing to do. And mm-hmm. you don't realize it was the dumb thing to do until you've lost. And that's, <laughs> that's the worst part of it. It's like, oh, if I had just kept running the ball, we would have won easily. Well, damn. Been there, done that. I, just dumb. But yeah, what, I, what, I, I'm talking about this with, with Pat about, you know, torture levels with fans. Like, you know, the bills are riding high now, but it's like, you know, as far as like the pain levels for teams, it's like Detroit, Cleveland and Buffalo were like in their own sub tier mm-hmm. of, of pain. Like Minnesota's kind of close to that too. Like they've had some awful beats and, you know, the four loss Super Bowls and all that, but like, but like Detroit and Cleveland are just kind of like, you know, I always say Cleveland's got it worse because their, their team actually left. <laughs> their team actually moved to Baltimore and they didn't have the Browns for a couple of years. Like that's actually worse than Detroit, but I kind of wish somebody would take Detroit away and just go away forever. <laughs> so, oh so I can write them off and be like, thank God, put it, just put a bullet in my team. <laughs> wow. It's Man. yeah. It's the truth um, comes out, Joe. It sucks, dude. Like it, you know what it's like to go into a season and just be like, well, they stink again before. Yes. Yes. Of course we do. <laughs> of course you know. But like, you didn't have that this year. I don't think you had it the year before. So it's been you guys have had a, a break from it for a couple of years. So no, that's okay. true. That's true. And, and I will say though, I, I've never heard any, at least to my knowledge, never heard any Bills fans say like, "Man, just put a bullet in our team, get them out of here." The only person that's ever said that was my marketing professor at ECC, who was like. Want to knock down the stadium and build a golf course because he would rather golf than watch those football. See, even even when they were teasing going to Toronto, where people were just kind of like, whatever, just take them, just get them out of here. Right. right. It's, I think they're still too close. Like, no, if you're going to move the Lions, move them to Honolulu. Just get them as far as friggin' possible. Just they could be the London team and everyone would be happy. They, be the, they, they can be the freaking moon Lions. Like, just, <laughs> you know, let Elon Musk buy them and put them on the moon. Just get them away from me. <laughs> That'd be quite a football game, I will say. <laughs> All right, Joe. Last one for me here. We we might have to rename the lightning round here. It might be like the the summer rain or something. Um, all right. So listen, it, everything that happened in life in the spring with the pandemic is sort of just a blur in my head. All right, but the Sabers eventually need a general manager and seem to hire Kevin Adams, who was running a Harbor Center without really conducting a search and they hired a guy who doesn't really have experience as a general manager is was, was that 
as to you as someone on the inside was that as weird as it looked or like, like what are we missing here that is a redeeming quality for the sabers with this uh it was weird um and it still is weird given that all you know anytime they seem to hire somebody new for a new position it's somebody else adams worked with at harbor center which i mean hey if it works out and it turns out they had all the brightest minds in hockey all working in the same place but not for the sabers for that long then i <laughs> I have some serious questions about the Bagulas understanding what exactly they had in the first place, but, um, but yeah, but I, to a degree, I understand where it comes from. Um, you know, one of the things, one of the things Kim, Kim and Terry had said was they felt that the, the suggestions they got from the NHL had, had failed them, you know, and you think about, um, now that goes for both coach and GM, you know, they had the, you know, the NHL always provides guidance uh, to teams. If, you know, if they, if they ask, they're like, Hey, what do you think we should do with this position? Like, well, here's some people we think would work out. Um, and granted, a lot of those choices were accepted by people in media and even like people that were barely in media they look at it and they go, yeah, no, that hundred percent makes sense. You know, you hired Dan Bilesma. He was the best coach available. Yeah. Of course. Well, Mike Babcock was the best coach available. They tried hard to get him. They almost had him. Dirty. He was also at Harbor Center for, at one point. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, you know, like that, I mean, that, but that fell apart because, you know, you know, whether you believe the story of whether it was Babcock's wife saying she didn't want to go to, she didn't want to live in Buffalo. Like you lived in Detroit for that long. I can understand being like, let's go to a giant city instead. Like let's, <laughs> that's no knock on Buffalo. It's just, it's just kind of like a, you want a different scene. I, I get it. Um, but it turns out that might've been okay. Like, I guess, like, I don't know, like how would, how would that have, how would that have worked out, you know, with, you know, Mike Babcock coaching Evander Kane and, you know, Jack Eichel and, and them, like, I don't know, like that, that, that's an, that's an, that's an other world story. I would love to see how it would have played out. But, um, but even after that, like they hired Phil Housley, like everybody accepted that after Nashville had made the Stanley cup final, that somebody was going to pick Phil Housley to be their coach at some point. It was just a matter of when, and it turned out for when was easy because it was a slam dunk for Buffalo. Like, you know, he played there. He was a first round pick. He was a, he's an all-time Sabres player. Like, yeah. Why, why wouldn't you pick Phil? Like it's turned out it didn't work. Um, same goes for the GM stuff. Like you picked Tim Murray you know, that was, that was something that Pat LaFontaine had a hand in, um, which was, you know, that's the guy they trusted. So um, until they didn't. Right. Until, yeah, <laughs> until it wasn't a, a thing that worked out. Um, but then you, you, you move on from, from Tim to Jason Bottrell and Bottrell was a guy that everybody figured, well, he's going to be a GM. Yeah. Like it was just automatic. It was just a question of when, and the Pittsburgh connection, you know, that, that was a thing that's been long established is, is something that seems to work here, uh, whether that's because of the Pagoulas or whatever it was. You know, I, certainly in the past, it was Ted Black. Quick aside, I, I saw on Twitter recently that the Pagula dog named Sydney died recently. Oh, what's the really? account? I, I don't know. The, uh, the, the Sydney Pagula parody account tweeted uh, like a gif of somebody going like, uh, oh, like, no. like, Awkward. Like, <laughs> I thought it was. Funny. I always thought it's funny that the 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 parody dog account was the most critical of the Pagulas themselves. <laughs> it was a good account. <laughs> I assume it's still going. I, I, the account may live on, but um, but yeah. But like, I can understand the Pagulas just looking at this whole thing and just being like, 
you know what? We're done taking your advice. You know, your picks have not worked for us. We're going to do, we're going to do it our way and pick the people that we know and we trust, you know, you know, Kevin Adams. Hey, listen, you know, I, 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 the the way it came out was that he was being groomed for a a position with the team at some point. Well, you know, I don't know that it was intended to be GM or if it was going to be something else, but, um, but it's, it, you know, having them tag along for road trips, you know, bringing them along for more stuff to just kind of see how it is. Like, you know, towards the end of the season, we saw him, uh, or at least when things shut down, we saw him down hanging around the locker room a few times. I was just kind of like, Oh, Hey Kevin, what's up? Funny seeing him here. That's okay. Um, but like, I mean, he was a former player. So it was just like, sometimes those guys would pop by to say hi to mm-hmm. people. They know, you know, you just kind of write it off. I mean, hell, if, if, if I took notes on everybody that stopped by to say hi to Marty Baron every, every home game, like, you know, <laughs> Mar- Marty might not ever leave the arena in that case, but because uh, everybody loves Marty and for good reason, but like, um, but like, I can understand where they're coming from. Like, listen, the leagues let us, you know, pick this, these, you know, help us pick out these people that didn't work out for us. We're going to do it ourselves. And like, I, I can understand that keeping all of the hires basically within house or within knowledge of who, you know, Kevin Adams has known or worked with is a little bit more interesting. And we'll see how that plays out as time goes on here, because Obviously, from the outside, it sure seems like Kevin's being put in a position where on the outside, you you think he's just a yes man there to agree to whatever the Pagulas tell him to do or ask him to do. And I, I don't think that's the case. I mean, they do have some say in, in matters, and that's been the case in the past. You know, whether those GMs liked it or not, um, that's 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 happened. But um, but in this case, I mean, you know, I mean, certainly they had a hand in you know, Ralph had a hand in getting Taylor Hall in town. Um, you know, he, he's leaned on some of the other people that are in that much smaller office now uh, to try to make things work, especially when it came to uh, free agency. And, uh, you know, with the draft, I'm sure it was, I'm sure that was kind of like running around with your hair on fire, given how much, you know, what they did with the scouting department. But, um, but I mean, you know, at this point, you know, they're in a position where they started leaning more on like video scouting last year and everybody's going to be doing video scouting now. Like good luck to you if you have scouts able to go to actual games in person and uh, to do that. But, um, but I mean, this is something that we're going to, we're going to see how it plays out down the road because, you know, I kind of get where they're coming from. Obviously it, I think it's worthy of criticism. I think you can't give the Pagoulas a pass for anything now. Um, it's been too long. It's been, you know, it's been like what, they bought the team in what 2011. Yeah, you know it's been, like that. 20, yeah, yeah, it's going on 10 years. You know, so it's you, you can't you can't really give them a pass for anything right now. You got to say like, all right, you know, you you own the team and now you own it. Um, so if this goes backwards on them and this turns out to be a mess, I mean, at that point, if Jack asks to leave, everybody else should want to go too because then you just got to be like, whatever. This, these guys can't figure Sell out the team at that point. Yeah. <laughs> they play on the moon too. <laughs> yeah. They, they know what to throw to the moon and play, play, play the moon, moon cup. Please don't put the sabers with the lions together on the moon. I would not, I don't want that. The moon would implode. <laughs> so I, I got one more for you and okay. uh, I guess I answer this the best you can, but is Ralph Kruger going to be the coach to get Buffalo over the hump? The players seem to like him. Ownership seems to like him. 
from the videos we've seen on the Sabres website, him and Kevin Adams seem to get along pretty well. The only people that seem to have an issue with Ralph Kruger are the fans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is Ralph Kruger that guy that's going to get them over the hump? I want to see how it works this year, honestly. Um, the defensive improvements this team made last year, I think are, that's what you need. I think that's, uh, that, I mean, that, that made them, that made them a better team. I, I want to see better special teams, both sides, power play and penalty kill. Um, and I think if you get those things squared away, I think everything else will take care of itself. Um, Cause they have the offensive guys, you know, we, we went over that already. They, they have guys that can, that can score. Um, I think their bottom six is a weakness. Um, but you know what? You know, if Cousins breaks out and he becomes a guy on that third line, and then if that's where Skinner winds up, suddenly you got, I think you got three really good lines and then a fourth line that can be whatever. Do, do you know, spin a wheel to pick who you want to play on that line every night. Like that's, at that point, who cares? Um, but uh, I want to see, I want to see steps taken in those areas. I think if they, if they take steps in those areas, the team will, will be a lot better. And I think Ralph will be that guy. Um, but if things stagnate, you know, and the same issues are still there, like if the PK is still getting bombed on, uh, if the power play still just kind of mires around, even though they've got guys that should score consistent, like top 10 consistently on the power play, then I will have serious doubts about it. I'm, I was really excited when they added Ralph because I thought he was going to be, I thought he was, he's got the right mindset and the right, the right sort of, you know, not NHL insider um, mentality about things. I think he's, he's a more cerebral guy, but, um, but I need to see growth in those spots. I think, I think those are the important areas where if he's going to be the guy going forward, if not, I, I think he goes to the front office no matter what. I think he's, I think he's a guy that's going to be in their front office no matter what. Um, Whether that's as like a a vice president or, you know, somebody else in the hockey ops department, I don't know. But um, to me, he's a guy that's, that's, he's, he, he's going to be with this team long-term, but whether, whether it's how long as a coach, I think is, is really dependent on how he feels and, and whether or not um, things break out right on the ice. I think he's, he, I think he's somebody that the, the Pagulas trust implicitly. Um, and whether that's as a coach or as a, as a management type, I think it, I think it's, it's kind of interchangeable. If he decides he doesn't want to coach anymore and they get somebody else in that spot, they will. Um, but then Ralph will just move upstairs. I think that I think they're in a position to do that. I know everybody's talked about that since they since they hired him, but I think that I think that's that's definitely the way it's going to turn out. So do you think he'll stay in hockey and not go back to soccer? No, I I think the Southampton thing was just a special job <laughs> to get them back on track there. And um, yeah, I I I always wanted to talk to Ralph more about that. Um, I plan out a story that I wanted to do with the athletic where I was going to ideally I was going to go to England to try to talk to some of the people at Southampton about it but um, apparently Southampton PR is as difficult to deal with as as Buffalo PR can be so they were they were not very excited to want to talk about somebody who didn't work there anymore so I was just like okay well never mind I'll hey, cancel. I, I like your heads at using the, the, the travel funds there that's a good thought <laughs> Poor man. Poor man. I don't care what anyone says. They, they just opened up the England, uh, the England stuff with uh, the soccer guys. So I, I messaged with our Southampton coverage guy, and he was just like, he's like, yeah, I don't know how it is with PR over there, but he's like, they Southampton does not work very well. I was like, oh, so he went from one team that's 
pain in the butt to deal with to to another that can be difficult. So that's that's great. My apologies to the guys currently in charge because obviously I'm not currently working with them, but um, but it was difficult. Hopefully soon. I saw, by the way, get get it moving on Twitter, and we'll we'll, we'll get your Twitter handle there in a second, Joe. But I did see hashtag hire Joe going around on Twitter. So we'll we'll get that out there as well. (laughs) Yeah. The hire Joe Yurden hashtag was a favorite a few years ago. And then, then I did get hired and I was like, yay. And then I got let go. And then everybody's like, wait a minute, bring it back. And I was like, that's one revival. I I wish I didn't need to have that. would have been nice to put that one away. Whatever we can do to help. Maybe after you're on this great podcast, man, doors might open up. You never know. Yeah. I I got a feeling it won't open up at at Sabres PR. But no, I, I kid around. Um, I kid around. Dirks and Ian and Lindsay, I love them. They're 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 wonderful. I and I say that not rolling my eyes or any of that stuff. <laughs> they're genuinely really good people, and um, I I know they got their hands full this year. So I, I I wish them I wish them the best. Joe, tell everyone where we can find you on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at my name at J O E Y E R D O N. Uh, sometimes you see a hashtag noted jerk flying around. <laughs> that's a, that's a story for another time, but um, it's an old story at this point. That story's like a 10 years on it. So um, for, for the record, one of the nicest guys around my, my <laughs> former, uh, my former press box mate at, uh, at new era field. We, we, we shared many games together and laughed at Nathan Peterman. I, I always I always thought I deserved an award for keeping uh, for keeping John Waro uh, <laughs> away from me. <laughs> no, just keeping him calm for everybody at the games because uh, everybody was just like, "Oh, you're working with John? Mm, I don't know about that." I was like, "What do you mean? He's great. He's, he's fine." Like, oh, John, John, I don't mean to like rip on like John. I, like I can't handle the the smell of the cigarette smoke or uh, is what is what my problem was. I, I mean, hey, listen covering Buffalo sports, as long as you do, it's, it, you, you got to get a habit. <laughs> you pick up some kind of habit at some point. Let's put it that way. <laughs> at, least, I guess, at least it was cigarettes and not something else. Well, I mean, not, not, not the game at least. <laughs> but I mean, uh, no, I adore John. John's great. And John might be getting me some work this year. So that's uh, nice. At least on well, the part-time part-time anyway. So. That's that's a warning to everybody from the Sabers that you haven't seen the last of me yet. <laughs> you heard it here first, Joe. Thank you so much for, the, for all of the time. This has gone on very long, but thank you for staying with us. I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, and it's awesome to talk with you guys. And Nick, it's been it's been forever since I talked to you, man. So uh, so this is this is really cool, and I hope all the best for you guys moving forward and staying safe too. Yeah, we'll get some wings someday. Yeah, yeah one of these days we'll go. <laughs> Absolutely. Joe, thank you so much, man. We appreciate it. Thanks, Charlie. It's good good to see you and good to talk to you, man. Absolutely. You as well. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, guys. All right. So, Nick, that was a good one, man. I liked having Joe on. I liked how he broke down kind of everything for us with uh, with what we have to look forward to that Sabre season. He seems to be a little bit more optimistic, I think, than I am with, with, with some of the guys on the team. I don't know about your thoughts on that. but Yeah, uh, he seems optimistic on the players, but not that it's really going to change the result. They're still on the outside looking in, in that division. But we'll find out Thursday. They play Washington back-to-back Thursday, Friday. So we'll see how it starts. It's going to be fun. I'm hoping it gets a little scrappy. Always like a few uh, early season fights. We'll see what happens. But me to say, like, like Joe said, it's a tough division. Buffalo's got uh, – Got their hands full, that's for sure. 
but we'll really see what this team is made of and see if they can take a run at it. But uh, I appreciate, as always, Nick and I appreciate everyone tuning in. We're going to have a Buffalo oh, Bills. Hold on. Before we go, we got we got we know who the Bills opponent is now. It's it's Ravens at Bills Saturday night. I need your prediction. Oh, I thought we were going to do another show, Nick. Oh, uh, we could. Yeah, <laughs> Nick, it's the playoffs, man. You got to mix things up, man. Gotta all right, all right. Kind of rescinded. I thought I thought we were on our our one a week. We had oh, already done I, the. I will, I will say this before. Obviously, we'll talk about this later on this week. I am more nervous this week. I like my my heart rate might hit like two hundred this week. <laughs> we, we're gonna get yoga, some like seriously, some deep breathing, some. Uh, I was watching CNN during some of the news coverage lately when they go to commercial. And then the the calm app has like a fifteen second spot, and it just like rainwater, and it says do nothing for fifteen seconds. Like that's what we need in the NFL. Like get calm app, advertise with the NFL. Charlie needs you, all right? He needs soothing rain sounds for fifteen seconds during the commercial. Get that pulse down, and then work it back up later. What I need is a someone to move in next door to me that's a cardiologist that can sit here and watch the games with me just in case something happens. <laughs> <laughs> or or uh or one of those you know machines just in case in my house you know what i mean i don't know but uh i'm excited man excited to see buffalo go on to round two i am nervous and i will say for the record i don't think they win this week but we'll talk about that oh more. My Charlie. wow a week around in the week and i'm gonna leave around Absolutely. with unbelievable you believe this guy absolutely but hey everyone again thank you for tuning in uh, you can find Nick Veronica at Nick Veronica on Twitter. Find me on Twitter at Chawit68. And, of course, you can find the podcast on Twitter at the underscore process pod. Like, subscribe, all that good stuff, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We appreciate everyone tuning in as always. And remember to always trust the process. <laughs>